0: John chapter 21. We're actually going to be looking at verses uh, 1 through 17. Don't worry, I don't have a point for each verse. I tried really hard, Mike, but I don't. Um, Before we pray, I'm going to read 15 through 17. And it says this, and this is one of those awesome moments. just love this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? And he, being Simon Peter, answered back, yes Lord, you know that I love you. He said back to him, feed my lambs. And he said a second time, Simon son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This morning we're going to look at how unexpected grace changes things in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. But before we do, we need to take a moment to pray. We have a lot to pray about this morning. Uh, there are those who are in harm's way and they protect our freedoms so we can be here. There are those in harm's way this morning protecting our, our city and county. And there are those who in the Lord's name and in the name of our church are sharing the gospel in Mexico. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know how many in this room, if you've ever been to Puebla with us on a mission trip, just lift up a hand real quick and see the ones that have been in here. If you've, if you've ever gone on one of those trips, those trips aren't are not the kind that we've done before with the youth group or we're constructing homes or we're repairing things they are going door to door with the gospel or they're having community little small events like we had one time in fact i remember one i was thinking about this the other day when i when i saw Kyle Miller we um i, I don't know why the, the pastor uh in mexico decided that Kyle and i looked like we should work security but we were in Mexico and they, we were kind of in a little courtyard area. It was covered. There was a basketball goal on one end. And what they were going to do, the plan that day was to bring kids in and they were going to do just kind of a one day kids crusade with music and all sorts of things like that. And so he's, he's giving everybody jobs to do and they go out and they go place to place to place because you never know in Mexico what you're going to do that morning. There's, there's never a plan that they publish for everybody. It could be one thing or the other. Am I wrong or am I right, Stephanie? You never know, and you never know if you're going to go with somebody who has a little bit of English, or who speaks no English at all, which is really fun. Um, what I said, Sarah? I know. Did I say Sarah? I thought I did too. We'll just ignore. Her. Anyways, um, so so this one morning we're all we've loaded in the back of a pickup truck, and we come down from the church it's about a mile away, and we're all setting up, and he set up the sound system. He's got a generator, and He's giving people different items to take with them that day and candy and, you know, try to, you know, give the kids. He looks at Kyle and I and he hands us a baseball bat. Now, there's no ball involved here. There's no, like, tennis ball, racquetball, baseball, softball or anything. He just hands it to us. And with Brad grinning right behind him, he says, just in case. And I look at Kyle like just in case a game breaks out. I mean, I don't know what just in case means. And then we all of a sudden realized it was just in case. And so we were just like, okay, just in case. So we need to pray for them this morning just in case. But we need to pray for their safety definitely while they're there. Um, we've, we've had really great results when we've gone to Puebla as a as a church. So we need to pray for all those who are there. So Ron, if you would, would you listen some word for so Last Sunday morning... During the, uh, first hour, the kids all got to go roller skating. Well, we found out Saturday evening late that the youth group had volunteered to go along with them. Well, Brad and I didn't really coordinate that very well, and he didn't know that we would be going with the kids, and it was, it was just one of those things that wasn't communicated, and I felt bad when I found out that Brad had done a top five list about Sean and myself being here. So, I told Brad, I said, listen, in honor of that, I'm going to do a top five list about you since you won't be here. So here it is. And bear with me on the title. These are the top five things Pastor Brad thought last week as he began his top five list and realized James and Shauna had left the room to go roller skating with the children and teenagers that would not be in the room to hear it. said that in one breath. Okay. Now, these are just the top five, but there is one honorable mention I do have to say before we get to number five. Brad thought this. There's no way James is going to turn this around into a top five next week. And there is no possible way he can break the word count for a top five header. So we keep track of those things. And I got it. All right, here we go. Number five, at least Jeff and Sonia are here for this. Nope, they aren't either. So Jeff and Sonia are with uh, us. Number four, why am I wearing two different color socks? Um... I, it was just what he was thinking. I'm just telling you, that it's just what he was thinking. Uh, number three, I'll admit I'm slightly jealous. I'd rather be roller skating, too. Um, number two, did I eat breakfast? And if I ate some Cheetos while teaching, would anyone really notice? So um, And number one, all the preparation for this top five. There's three minutes of my life I'm never getting back. So that's... Um, so he'll hear that, and then it'll, it'll, this is going to go on. I, I am afraid, Debbie, for a while. This is going to go back and forth. Um, he, as as Brad points out, it's 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 funny how things stay with you. Um, how many of you, when you read Simon Peter's name, you read Simon and you think listener, and Peter you think rock. How many of you have heard that? Enough times and you just, you go there. Simon Peter, I think sometimes gets a bad rap. Sometimes he, he, he shows us how human we really are and we forget how the, the men of the Bible, the Bible doesn't shade it in a way that hides their faults. It is truth because it shows the good and the bad. And, and with the disciples, we see as much of the negative side of Peter's life as we see the positive side. We get that with Paul too when you read, as we've been studying the book of Acts, you you see the negative side of Saul who was persecuting the church. And then we get to see Paul who is now having to come away from that and still bears the weight of it as you read his letters. You can see that in it. In Peter here, everything changed. Everything changes just in in a matter of hours. Here they are, they're, they're breaking the bread. Jesus has told them, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is going to be shed. Peter says, no, Lord, that, that can't happen. And Jesus says, listen, before the rooster crows tonight for in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter believed that that would never happen. When they go to the garden and they go to pray, there's Jesus praying and there's Peter falling asleep. And then the guards come. And they come with the one that they now know has betrayed Jesus and in a sense stabbed all of them in the back. Here comes Judas and he gives Jesus a a friend's greeting. And they begin to arrest Jesus. And Peter doing the only thing he knows to do, he goes to defend his friend, his teacher, his Lord, his master, the one who he has proclaimed, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he pulls out the sword, and he he doesn't go after a guard. He goes after a servant of the high priest. But he is doing his best to defend his friend, again, his master, his Lord. Jesus, in that moment, as as the ear is cut off the servant, Jesus takes the ear. I don't know if it was hanging. I don't know if it hit the ground. We don't know, but we just know that Jesus in an instant heals him right there in front of everybody. I don't know about you. Had I been one of the Roman guards, not really knowing who Jesus was, having seen somebody's ear cut off and in that moment put the ear back on, I would have been like, hey, can we rethink this for a second but back to Peter the Rock, who Jesus had named him that, he he was doing his best. So as they arrest Jesus and take him off, the one we find who is at least falling behind to see what happens to Jesus is Peter. He's not going to let it go. He's not going to go and hide. He's going to do his best to find out what happens. But when the moment he's confronted in the courtyard and they say, you were with him, or I, I, I've seen you before, you were with Jesus. He says no. He, he curses and says no. And then finally, in a third time, in a moment, he's warming himself by a fire. It says there's just a small charcoal fire going. And he's doing his best to warm himself, waiting for word of what's going to happen, I, I would suppose. That's so the only reason he would be there. He denies Christ a third time in the rooster crows. Jesus appears to his disciples twice before this one day recorded in john chapter 21 he even says to thomas thomas you doubt look at the nail prints put your hand into the scar on my side it's me and so for a third time jesus is going to appear in what we find we find peter goes back to life as normal in 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 verse one and i'm i'm just going to paraphrase this as best as possible we we find the disciples there in And Peter says, I'm going fishing. So they get in the boat and they go fishing. And and we read verse two, it says, Simon Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel, uh, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other of his disciples together. He says, I'm going fishing. Verse three, and they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got in the boat and that night they caught nothing. As fishermen, that's normal. I love to fish. Um, Jack Smith would tell you I love to get lures caught in trees but the I do like doing that sometimes but the, I really like to the fish. There's nothing like when you finally realize that you're going to catch a fish. I remember the very first trip I ever took with Jack to go kayaking. I caught what I thought was going to be my first rainbow trout. What did I catch, Jack? You Remember? I caught a rock about that bit. I reeled it in too. I didn't just get it hung up. I mean, a piece of this rock flaked off and came up with it. I was so frustrated, I tossed it back in. Then I realized, oh, I should have taken that and just like gotten like a nice stained piece of wood and mounted it in my office. Write the date on it, how many ounces, that little piece of sandstone or whatever it was weighed. Um, we've had days where we've caught a lot of fish. We've had days where we haven't caught any. I've had days where I've gone with my grandpa and we've caught nothing but grass and weeds and we've had other days where it felt like you could barely get the hook in the water and there was a fish on it. Fishing, you, you get fish some day and fish the next. Peter had no reason to think that it's just not a, it's just a normal night of bad fishing. So in the morning, The sun is coming up. The the day is breaking, verse 4 says. And it says, Jesus is staying on the shore, but they don't know that it's Him. And He calls out to them and He says, children, have you caught any fish? They're like, no. He says, then cast out the nets. He says this exactly. Cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. Here's a guy standing on the shore saying, go to the right side of the boat and catch fish. Okay? I, again, going back to fishing, I, I don't take much stock on what somebody who's standing, you know, and this could have been hundreds of feet away, if not a hundred yards away. What does this guy know? And Peter just thinking, well, we've tried everything tonight. We might as well just give it a shot. And they, they cast out the net. And what had happened before when Jesus had been around happened again. They They cast it out and they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. They begin to haul this net, or doing their best, and they're struggling with it. And the disciple who who Jesus loved, that's John, writing and saying that, says to Peter, "It is the Lord." You got to remember they were both there the day, and we'll kind of talk about it in a moment. But they were both there the day that they had been fishing, and you have uh, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew and James, John, and their father, and they're all they're all fishing that day. Together, and they had caught nothing all night long, and then Jesus said, cast the the net out into the deep, and they do it one more time, and they catch so many fish. And it's in that moment, Jesus says, follow me. And Simon does. John had been there, and he recognized it. He got it, just in that second. We have those moments where life is just happening, and all of a sudden we realize that God... has showed up and we're like, it's the Lord. We know it's Him. We know it's Him leading. We know it's Him guiding. It's in that moment we recognize that what is happening is beyond us. As we talk about grace this morning, grace is not something we as human beings in our sinful nature do naturally. Grace and the ability for us to show grace is something that is supernatural because it's where we begin to become Christ-like. It's where we move out of the selfish attitude of taking care of self into really loving others in a way that God would want us to. So here's, here's Simon Peter, and he's excited. He's in the boat. Um, and he takes off. I, I, I love that, that mental picture. And I, I hate to allude to a movie, but I'm going to, if anybody's ever seen Forrest Gump. And Forrest is standing on this boat, and he sees his old army buddy, Lieutenant Dan, and he gets so excited, the boat that he should be steering. He just jumps off the boat and swims over to go see him. Okay, Here's Simon Peter in that same situation. He sees the Lord. He realizes it's the Lord. They all know that it is. And while these guys are still struggling with the net, Peter forgets everything going on and he jumps into the water and swims ashore. In fact, the, ver- the, the, the verses tell us that as Peter is, is getting up there and he's again warming himself by the fire because Jesus had prepared a fire and was, and was making them breakfast. Here come the other guys with the net, getting it on. Back up onto the shoreline. And so they sit there and they, they know it's him. And he says, bring, verse 10, he says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish. And the Bible tells us there's 153 of them. It's a number. It has no significance. And I, I, People can make more of it. It's just how many fish were there. If we ever figure out time travel, which I don't know if we will, but if anybody was to ever figure out time travel and they were to go back in time and they were to check things off in the Bible, they could go back to that moment and go, well, oh, there's really 153 fish. I mean, that's, that's all it is. It's a number. John's writing it down. It is a big deal to them. A good day of fishing for me is two. Okay. John writes down 153. Okay. Just making, you know, taking it off. That's how many they've gotten. So here they are. They've got the fish. They're there. Jesus says, bring something you've, probably, you've caught. There were so many fish. The net hadn't broke. In verse 12, Jesus says, come and have breakfast. None of them asked, who are you? They, they're in awe in a moment before their Lord. And so as they sit there in that moment, they eat. Jesus took the bread He gave it to them with, and so with the fish and This is the third time Jesus has revealed himself to his disciples. Now, what Jesus is about to say to Peter, or Simon, really, because as you read it, he doesn't refer to him as Peter in the passage. Here's the guy that Jesus had renamed, so to speak, and had given him the name The Rock or Rocky Stony. Here's now, he's now calling him by his given name. And if there is something to make a lot of in this passage, I think it's the fact that Jesus calls him listener in this moment. He's been calling him Peter, but now in this moment, he's saying listener. I think it's because he's got Peter's attention. So in this moment, breakfast has happened. Everybody's there. Peter Peter looking at Jesus, and Jesus says to him, verse 13, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, back to him, feed my lambs. Now I want to stop right here and I just want to point something out. There's, there's two ways you can go with love in this passage. There's one that Jesus is saying love in the form of agape love in the Greek agapao, which, which is that self-sacrificing love. And Simon Peter's answering back, with the word phileo, meaning brotherly, kindred type love. It's, it's, it's just that, it's that bond of friendship and, and brotherhood that you feel. Um, we could make a lot of that and say, well, Peter is trying to dodge what Jesus is saying. We could say Peter doesn't get it. You could say that Jesus is saying Simon, Son of John, would you do anything for me more than the rest of these? And Peter's saying back to him, Lord, you are, you're my friend. You're my brother. Yes, of course. Or we could just look at it the fact that John is known for transposing those words every once in a while in a passage. And it's just how John is writing it. Jesus is saying, do you love me? And John and Simon Peter saying back, yes, Lord, I, I love you. Those two forms of love aren't really what I want to look at today. I just want us just to blankly look at what Jesus is saying to Peter and how Peter is responding in the second chance that Peter is giving or being given in this. So he says back again, Simon said to John, "Do you love me more than these?" And he's talking to the to the disciples. There's the, 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 there's other disciples sitting there, and Simon doesn't take the the moment to boast. He says, "Yes, Lord, you know I love you." And Jesus says, "Feed my sheep." Verse 18, he says a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Notice there's no more than these there. And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says to him, tend my sheep. And for a third time, Jesus says back to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Simon says to Jesus, Lord, You know everything, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my sheep. It's such an interesting moment because I don't... You ever read something you think you've, you've understood it and you go back and you read it again in the Bible and it just has a totally different frame for you? I don't think Jesus was trying to convict Peter in any way. I think Jesus was sitting him down. Anybody ever have a child who did something wrong? And without you saying something to them, they knew they did wrong. I know, Steve, you probably never had that. Never had that with your kids. Um Jack's trying to hide back there behind somebody. You ever but those of us who ever seen a child who knew they did something wrong? And the, the grief, personal grief of knowing that they may have disappointed mom or dad, come to it in that moment? And you see that as a parent? And you and every moment you you may be, you may be mad about what they did, but you realize at least they get what they did. Let's fix it. My dad was that way with me, especially as a teenager. He he would wait till I finally understood what I did was wrong, and then he would ground me, of course. But we would fix it, and he would take that moment to teach. And that's where I believe Jesus is right here with Peter. Peter knows he denied Jesus. Peter probably could still hear the rooster crowing in the back of his head. I mean, there's some things in life you just don't forget. And here is Peter in this moment. And in fact, we know Peter hasn't let go of it because he's grieved by the third time that Jesus says, do you love me? He remembers what he did. Does Jesus ever say to him, Peter, you shouldn't have denied me? Does he ever say, Peter, it hurt when you denied me? Does He ever even bring up the denial? Does He ever bring up the courtyard? Does He bring up the cursing? Does He bring up any of it? No. Because it's in that moment where Peter experiences Jesus' grace. And the, the, the real, the full extent that you see of it. Because it's in that every moment where Peter has offended God in the flesh or should have. And here is God right before Him in the flesh and Jesus Christ saying, Let's move past it. Let's just get on. And that's really why that grace is so much time, so much of the time if if we will just let it happen. It's it's not that moment where we have to realize everything that we did is wrong because the Holy Spirit does convict of us of our sin. And we, we are good at that. I'm I'm just going to ask the men in the room, how many of you would just lift up a hand and say, you know when you've done something wrong, he may have offended a spouse or something like that or we we know we know we know when we've we know when we've sinned as believers because we get that conviction of the Holy Spirit. but then what happens to us as believers is that we tend to carry that guilt around all God really wants us to do is acknowledge it, repent of it make that resolution to turn and go the other way away from it which is really what repentance is it's not just admitting what i did is wrong it's seeing what we did is wrong and doing it a different way it's like putting it's like when you're building something and you're putting screws in and you're using like an electric like an electric drill or screwdriver if it's on reverse and you realize that that screw isn't going in what do you do you click the button on the side of it and you drive the screw in the way it should go well that's that's what our life should be when we realize we're going the wrong direction with it That's the fixing of it. And that's where God's grace comes in because God doesn't sit there and pound us into the ground to hurt us, to make us feel less about ourselves. And in fact, if if anything, here is Jesus in this amazing situation. If you you want to hold your place there, if you want to just listen while I go to it, I want to go to Matthew chapter 9. There's this moment where Jesus is looking at all the crowds coming to Him. And when I hear Jesus, or when I read Jesus saying the word sheep, I think in Matthew chapter nine, the last few verses of Matthew chapter nine, where it says, when Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. And it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were har- harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So here's Jesus back. With Peter. We see the heart of how Jesus sees us. We need help. Some of us more than others, but we need help. There's, there are days when we we feel like we've got it, Gene, and we, we, we've got it all figured out, and then there's days where we don't know how we get through without the Lord's help. There are days when everything runs smooth. And then there are days when everything falls apart. There are days when it feels like we we couldn't be surrounded by any more friends. And then there are days when it feels like we can't find a friend anywhere. That's our life as human beings. And Jesus saw us in that way, harassed and helpless. There are some days we can do for ourselves and some days we can't. Here's Jesus saying to Peter, now in this moment, Peter who had denied him three times in public, I want you to begin to see people how I see them. I want to take you and I want to lift you out of this, Peter. It's time to get going. It's time to stand up. It's time to move on past this. And that's what God's grace teaches us. That's where God's grace takes us. It takes us past us. Because we we would rather sit there. We would rather sit there and figure out where we did wrong or what we did wrong or how it happened. We, we sometimes sit there and I don't know why we take comfort sometimes in guilt, but we do. Isn't it strange? We, we hold on to guilt when God is saying, let it go, let it go, let it go. We hold on to guilt. We hold on to it. I still remember things I did as a kid going, why did I do that? And then I sit back and go, why do I even remember that? Why haven't I moved past that? God wants me to. And that's what God wants for us. God wants for us what Jesus wanted right here for Peter. He's saying, do you love me? And Peter's saying, yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Or do you know I love you? Tend my sheep. And then he says, do you love me? And he says, you know everything. You know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. That's a very powerful thing when we really, when we can especially look at how Jesus had viewed the people who were coming to him. He had essentially said to Peter in this moment, Peter, it's time for you to take up this mantle. I've been tending the sheep. I've been feeding the sheep. It's time for you to start doing it. Peter, who had denied Christ three times, he is now saying to him, for you... To take up this mantle, and it's in that moment, and I believe in that grief, it's not just the sorrow. I think Peter took it all in and suddenly realized, whoa, this is love. Because love, as, as it says, covers a multitude of sins. It's in that moment where Peter realized the truth of God's love, and he realized the truth of his Savior's love, and he realized the truth of the Master's love, and it, and it shook him. Now there's a few really, really awesome parallels that I, I want to point out before we get really to us and what it, it fully means for us. Number one, there's this great catch of fish, which Peter had experienced. The second one is, and, and I love this, is that if you notice what the meal was, it's, it's, it's bread and fish. I love that. It's, it's a moment where you, it makes me think of the feeding of the 5,000. It's bread and fish again, and Jesus has prepared it for them. It's, Jesus walking by the shore reminds me of when they, when the, they go out and get in the water, and Jesus stays back on the shore, then goes up into the mountain to pray, and then the storm comes, and Jesus walks on the water out to him, and Peter goes walking out. Part of me kind of wonders, and I, and I guess I'm going to ask Simon Peter when we get into heaven, I, was gonna, I just want to say, okay, when you realized it was Jesus, were you hoping you could have just ran across the water at that point? And that's why you got out of the boat or you just that excited because, man, this is the only guy who's ever walked on water other than, than our Lord. That whole sea area, I mean, that was such a familiar place to him. And there's that charcoal fire, like the same one he was warming himself next to when he denied Christ the third time. So many parallels of different things in Peter's life are in this passage. And Jesus just really brings it full circle and says, okay, here's what I have for you. And it's in that moment when he realizes God's grace doesn't want us to wallow, or as my grandfather would say, waller in our sin, which we do. And sometimes we're not as much wallering in sin. We're wallering in our own pity and guilt where God is like, stand on your feet and get going. Let it go. I've forgiven you. Let's move on. So here's, here's what God's grace shows us. Number one, when God's grace shows up, we see God differently. Um, I grew up not thinking I could ever get it right. And I've shared this a little bit, but I'm, I've never really shared this to all of you as a whole. As, as a young believer in Christ and the church I grew up in, I, I always felt like I was always messing up and I was never going to be able to live the life as a believer. It's because I was, and I'm not knocking that church per se, but we weren't really taught what God's grace truly does in our lives. And I struggled with it. And I would get it a little bit and I would go back to that, that spot sometimes wondering, is my relationship with, with God really valid? Because I, I find myself doing good, and then I mess up, and I sin, and and I'm not perfect. And I and I really dealt with that struggle to be perfect. And then you all happened in my life. Um, and Ron and I have talked about this extensively. In the first year of us being here, and I can't even remember what year that was at this point, I suddenly realized what God's grace was. God's grace is the ability that we have to move past and we realize His love doesn't want us pushed down, that His love wants us lifted up so we can lift Him up. And God's grace covers our sin. It's, it's, it's His choice to love us before we ever try to love Him. He, may always, he always makes the first move to love us. Even in His conviction, it is loving. We've got to stop seeing God in a negative light. And if I, can re- if I can say this to the teenagers and those entering in the youth group, God wants nothing but the best for you. He wants nothing but us to be lifted up. He never wants us beaten down. That beaten down guilt feeling that we feel is either we put on ourselves or there's no better way for me to say it's satanic. I mean, those of us who have been believers for a while, I'm, I'm going on year 31 as a believer. And I've had sin that I know I've confessed and I know I've repented of been brought back up into my life in different ways. And I can only sit there and go, No, God doesn't want me to worry about that. That's been forgiven. Where does that come from? I don't know if it's deep in our subconscious or if it's just Satan trying to tempt us into doubt. I don't know what it is. But God doesn't want us to see Him as the person who convicts only and His Holy Spirit does convict us to move us out of our sin. To keep us from making those same mistakes. To keep us from doing the same pattern that is hurting those that we are around and hurting ourselves. That's what His Holy Spirit does when He convicts us of sin. But we need to see God differently. We've got to see God as, as the God who chooses to love us. Who decides to forgive us and does not, desires nothing more, Jeff, than restore our lives that's what he wants it's not just the negative removed it's to bring out the best and in this moment with peter jesus is trying to bring out his best so when grace happens it causes us to see god differently number two it causes us to see ourselves differently we no longer are defined by our mistakes it's it's kind of funny um we, uh, I was in West Virginia and it got really, really windy outside. And, uh, we were down in a hauler, as they would put it. And we were right on the edge of the Appalachian Mountains and we were mainly working, pr- building ramps, doing some roofing work on smaller homes, rundown homes. We had a veterans home that had a wall that would completely rot it out on the exterior that we had to fix the inside of the wall and the outside wall, had to put up partitions and all these different things just to support us. The roof wouldn't cave in while we were rebuilding this wall. I mean, it was all these different things we were doing. Uh, this is just, Shauna said, you know, it was three weeks ago you were headed to West Virginia. Well, it had gotten really windy and uh, we were all outside, all of us workers were outside. And somebody made a comment, like, I don't know what I'm going to do about my hair. And I said, yeah, that's really, um, that's what I'm worried about too. You know, they just kind of looked at me and said, well, you don't have that problem. And I go, what is that supposed to mean? If it blows really hard, my beard just goes sideways. It's just crazy. My sideburns get all out of whack. Um, we define ourselves in different ways. You know, I, I'm bald. Okay, that's just what it is. Sometimes we define ourselves in negative ways. Sometimes all we see is our negatives. And when grace happens, we, begin to dare to see the positive in life We begin to hope for the good rather than worrying about the bad when grace happens we we begin to realize that wow that's this god who has chosen to love me chosen to forgive me and and wants to restore my life that we begin to we begin to think i got a chance i got a chance to move i got a chance to move on with this life and not worry about the past And not worry about the sin. I've got a family member who for a long time defined his life by the marriages and divorces, and marriages and divorces. Defined his life by failed marriage. And I tried to keep telling him. And he's somebody I'm very close to. um, And I'll just say it was my dad. I I kept trying to tell him, Dad, it's more than the negative of life. There's so much positive you just got to grab hold of it. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to focus on the downside. He wants us to see the upside. We as believers in Christ really should be glass half full kind of people. Because we ought to be seeing that glass as well. We can't fit more in there. Yay. It's only half full. We have more of a chance. And that's because we begin to see ourselves differently. We experience grace differently. That's That's what begins to happen. We begin to see ourselves, not defined by our mistakes, but we begin to see ourselves as God's children. That's something I feel like we as a church, not Tanglewood, as the capital C church, have lost. The children of Israel knew that they were God's children. when, When God handed down the Ten Commandments and He handed down the different decrees, they knew it. They knew it was from God. As they're wandering the wilderness, despite their sin that caused them to have to wander, they had a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. To remind them of God's presence, they were God's children. They 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 understood that, and I think sometimes we forget that. We 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 get caught again into ourselves, and we we lose sight of, wow, God chooses to call me His own. And it's amazing why God calls His children in the, in the Old Testament. He refers to Him as a as a fragrant offering. He refers to them, and I love this one as a treasured possession. And we all have those things that. If if the house were to burn down or started to burn down, what would we go grab first other than our loved ones to get out of the house? God defines us as his treasured possession. And as we begin to experience God's grace, his life-changing grace, we begin to feel that. Ultimately, we begin to see others differently. Because as grace happens, we begin to realize that those kids that are in my house I should start to show them the same grace that God shows me. That my spouse, husband, and wife, whoever it would be, I need to begin to show them the kind of grace that God shows me. Those people that I work with, that are hard to work with, I can show them God's grace. Those people that I'm around that I have to have so much prayer every day just to make it, I can begin to show them God's grace. Those family members who have pushed my buttons every time we get together and I really don't want to be around, I can begin to show them God's grace. We begin to realize that, that, that God has shown us grace to be able to show others grace. To show others that they can, they can feel love and forgiveness. Again, to see them how Jesus saw them. Jesus essentially said to Peter, Peter, stop worrying about yourself. Stop worrying about yourself. That's happened, it's done, it's in the past. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Start to see the ones who need. Start to see them how I see them. And that's what God's grace does. It changes us. Where we begin to see others how God sees them. We should desire to restore relationships rather than keep them estranged. We should strive to show people forgiveness rather than wait for their apologies. That's tough for me sometimes. I I like a good apology, but Christ teaches us to forgive before the apology comes. That is not human nature. It changes us. It, It messes with us. Really, it does. How many of you have ever realized that you need to forgive somebody even though they owed you an apology? That you'd it had turned. They were the offender. Then all of a sudden you realize you're offending them. Waiting for them to apologize for how they offended you. Grace messes with us. It changes everything around and for the better. And it makes us uncomfortable. Because it's not our nature. Two more things real quick. We, we should want to share His love in word and action. We should want to share with them the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And we should hope, pray for those who don't know God's grace that they would experience it too. Big idea. God's grace changes us. God's grace changed me at seven years old when I first experienced it, when I realized that I could have eternal life. It was in a very simple way. It was a Sunday school teacher, and I've shared this a number of times. You, and I We actually went and worked with her and her, her son about two summers ago. And he started a church in Houston, Texas. And uh, her and her husband are helping them get it up off the ground. And um, it's so cool when you realize that. It just took one person saying, does anybody, do any of you kids want to ask Christ into your heart? She she would ask the question every week. And I found out from, she, she realized I'd only been a believer for two years at that point, And I just knew that was something I needed to ask every week. And by the way, you're only like the third or fourth one i would gotten to pray with, to lead them to Christ. So it's not like I'd been doing it a lot, and I was like, "Really?" Because I felt like in that moment you knew everything and you had it all down, and that you had it all ready to go. And she was like, "No, I just felt like it was something I needed to do." And that's how grace changes us because we realize we have this this light, as as Paul puts it, that that light in a in a jar of clay, this vessel that we have to share His love. The light is Him. And Karen just realized I these these. Seven year olds in my Sunday school class, I need to talk to them about Jesus every week. And it was so simple. And that's how it changes us. We should be seeking those, should be seeking those ways. And so what I want to pray today as we close is that we would get a grip on God's grace because God's grace has a grip on us, whether we realize it or not. And that we would find ways to share God's grace with others. Let's have a word of prayer. God, I thank you for your, your mercy. And Lord, I, I feel like a mess most days. I, I know I, I can't stand in your presence. I can't worship you. I can't come before you without your grace on my life, Lord, because it's your grace that came up with the whole plan. It's, it's your love for us choosing to love us first that that gives us that chance to know you to see you to to see who you are and then see how you see us lord help us not to focus on the negatives in life help us not to focus on our failures help us to realize that our failures are not final they're not they're not what defines us but lord you are the one that defines us as the passage we looked at last week they were they were called christians meant to be an insult to them, a a slander toward you. And truthfully, it's a badge of honor that we can carry by your grace. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live up to that. Help us to be your representatives, your people here on earth. God, help us to be your children And everything that we do, Lord. Help us to get a grip today, Lord. And there, there may be some here today who it's been a long time since they truly sat back and realized that the the sin that has been forgiven, the provision that has been given to them and handed to them by you. It's all done because you choose to do it without us coming to you first. So Lord, help us to, to worship you in our own hearts because of that. And at the same time, God, help us to every day ask that question. Who can I show your grace to? Who can I show God's love to? Who can I show God's mercy to today? Because that's truly when we begin to understand your grace. God, I I thank you that we have your Holy Spirit to guide us in these things because trying to do it on our own, we wouldn't be able to. So we ask the Holy Spirit's presence and leading in our life to lead us in this way. And it's in Jesus' name we say these things. Amen.